Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Uh, we've jumped into spring, so my early weather update as I usually do. <laughs> First day of spring here in sunny Brisbane, 27 degrees, so that's my little tease. Um, we have a guest with us today, so we've got Michelle Ryan from Bespoke Money in Brisbane. Thanks for joining us, Michelle. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, Melinda will give you a little bit of a rundown there, and we'll um, we'll chat a little bit about um, mortgage broking and finance. Yes, thanks so much for joining us, Michelle. Today we've got an exciting episode because we've invited Michelle in to come and give us an update on what uh, she is seeing as a local mortgage broker here in Brisbane, and um, Michelle has. Um, done a little bit of research for us, which I'm really excited about because everybody knows how much I love data. And Michelle's got some research to share with us in terms of what's happening um, at a wider level in terms of lending commitments and things like that. So we look forward to sharing that information with you as well. But I do agree with Scott, first day of spring, it is nice and warm and I'm not one to endorse that weather update, but there you go. Beautiful. <laughs> so Michelle, um, just get us, give us a bit of an idea, and I guess the, the listeners out there, who, who is actually borrowing money at the moment? Are we seeing the investors? Are we seeing the home buyers? Obviously, with COVID and all those types of things, the home buyers have been sort of upgrading homes and building homes and everything else. Um, but what are you seeing as well from the lending side of it? We're always seeing owner-occupied property um, being purchased. It's 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 been um, the biggest stat, I guess, for for years. Um, but in the last year, we've actually seen over a hundred percent increase in investment lending. Um, so that's huge. And, um, I think particularly in Brisbane, um, we're lucky in that we're seeing, uh, investors coming from down South and capitalizing on our wonderful, uh, state and city in Brisbane. I think it's um, definitely something that we're experiencing as well in our own inquiry when you say investment lending's up 100% over the last 12 months. That's huge. Yeah, 55 over the last six months. Wow. Over the last six over months last alone, six 55%. Months. That's a huge uptick. And I yeah. know um, just in my own research, just looking at the number of investment loans as a proportion of total lending in Queensland, um, that's up to about 28%, which is still low compared to the long-term average, but we've seen a compression because of that Royal Commission, uh, the Royal Commission and, you know, what resulted off the back of that and investment lending was down to around 20%. Yeah, that's right. That right. I think a few of the lenders really cut back on um, their portfolios with investment lending as well, mm. um, reducing loan-to-value ratios, um, that all of that seems to have dissipated now and they've got that all under control and they're offering, you know, the higher LVRs at 90% now. And, um, well, as you can see from the stats, investment lending is on the increase. It's huge. What about the homeowners? Uh, Owner-occupied. Owner-occupied. Oh, it's still, look, it's it still continues to grow. It's yep. not growing at the same rates as investment lending. So you're looking at about 68% yep. um, for owner-occupied. And that's across, that's across the the band of um, construction loans, first home buyers, um, even owner-occupied um, refinancing for uh, renovations. Yep. Um, that's certainly a huge part of uh, lending at the moment is people wanting to renovate, accessing their equity that they've got now mm. um, with the huge growth in the market. That's interesting. Um, so and that's people, something that I work with a lot. Yeah. So people, you know, if they're not looking to upgrade homes, they're looking to improve or extend the home, stay in the same location, but yeah. um, add value to their home. Just in relation to that owner-occupier um, market, are, 
are there any trends that are coming through in the data in terms of the proportion of first home buyers that, um, you know, I know that there was a spike um, as the building stimulus um, was released. Yep. Has that actually started to drop away a little it bit? It has. Yeah. yeah, first homeowners has definitely started to drop away. I guess the market now is, particularly with construction, the cost of construction's really um, gone through the roof yeah. lately. Um, and the financial constraints. I mean, with COVID, your first home buyers, a lot of them are struggling financially mm. um, and they've still got to be able to service these loans. Mm. And um, I think they're finding it a little bit more difficult. And a lot of them don't want to actually move away from where they're renting in the capital cities. Mm. You know, like I, I guess uh, in Brisbane, that might be out to, to Logan or somewhere like that where the affordability is still there. Mm. Um, but they're not necessarily willing to make that move. Make that compromise on location. That's interesting. Yeah. And, of course, affordability is something that we always say here in Brisbane. We are a much more affordable city than the likes of Sydney and Melbourne. I can't understand what first home buyers must be um, doing down there. I'm sure they've dropped off completely given how fast those markets have moved and the fact that they're much more expensive markets down in Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, it's interesting with that construction side of it. Um, we do help some clients with a bit of that the construction side of it and um, there's a lot of pressure in that construction market at the moment, um, getting material, getting labour um, and cost um, started really escalating as well. So it's interesting that people are doing that when they're in a location and we always say you can you can change the home, but you can't change the, the location. Yeah. So it's interesting people are looking to do that those larger renovations um, and increase their, their own home and stay in the, that same place. Oh, absolutely. I mean, people real recognise that if you're going to sell your property to buy something new or build from scratch and build your dream home or whatever it happens to be, you've got to pay all the stamp duty mm-hmm. and you've got to pay a Sales. huge amount of money at the moment to yeah. get back into the market. Yeah. So people are, I guess, looking at their own property that they have now and thinking, well, what can I do? I've got all this equity to use. Um, what can I do so that I can achieve my dream home um, and not have to sell and rebuy and pay all that stamp duty? And Yeah, the costs, transaction costs in property are always significant. By the time you've paid a sales agent to sell, and you're right, you pay an advertising campaign stamp duty, the transactional costs can be extremely high. So, you know, potentially saving yourself to stay in the same location and putting that money into a renovation makes sense for some people who have the capacity to do it that way. So if, yeah. if people are looking to, to do finance at the moment, are they getting things ready before they say, go and jump in for that renovation or go and look to buy a new property and things like that, are they actually getting ahead and getting a a pre-approval? Yeah, look, most of the time they want to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's not something that we can do until they've moved things along a little bit. Lenders have got certain policies around um, pre-approvals. But certainly when it comes to construction loans, um, I always get a pre-approval um, push through the system because yeah. at the end of the day, you've got to be signing a building contract and there's so many expenses involved, as you would know, yeah. mm. um, in you know engineers' drawings and all that sort of stuff. And um, so we try and get a pre-approval done just based on a dollar figure yeah. um, of a, you know around about what they might want to spend. And um, once that's approved, that's when we take that next step. They start working with a builder. Um, get the contracts ready and we take it back for um, a formal approval on completion valuation as well, um, which is basically a value we're going out there with the plans and determining what the property will be worth um, once it's finished. 
so that we keep that loan-to-value ratio down mm, and yeah. avoid mortgage insurance um, where we can. And what about property purchases? Are you finding that, um, you know, you're getting people phone you on a Monday and say, hey, Michelle, I've just bought a house on the weekend. Here's the contract. Can you get me finance? Or generally, have you already started that conversation with buyers? Yeah, funnily enough, it, it doesn't happen very often these days. I think people mm. are really um, nervous about their, their lending capacity. Yeah. Um, so more often than not, the, the conversations I'm having with people uh, around um, what, what, what do you think I can borrow? Yeah. Uh, can we do an assessment? Mm. And we basically take it from there and work out whether a pre-approval is an appropriate option, um, especially if um, it's a complex scenario. Mm. Um, we we look to do a pre-approval. If it's something that's straightforward, I generally tell them to go out there and um, get a contract for sale. Yeah. yeah. And so just to help um, listeners understand something that would be a straightforward assessment, can you describe that versus something that's a more complex assessment when perhaps a pre-approval might be, you know, more relevant? Yeah, absolutely. So um, straightforward application would be someone that's um, PAYG, um, so an employee. Yeah. Um, that's been in their job for how long? Uh, that's been in their job for at least six months. That'll give them access to all lenders. Yep. Um, three months we've still got options, but yep. um, six months all um, lenders will be happy with that. Yep. Um, you know, little, a small amount of um, uh, lending outside of what they're applying for, so consumer lending. And I guess a complex scenario would be self-employed, complex um, structures, trusts, things like that where... Mm. Uh, no doubt the lender is going to be asking questions and trying to understand um, the structure. Yeah. So in that situation, if you know that you um, are going to qualify easily because you're a pay, pay as you go employee, you've been in the job more than six months, um, have that initial conversation to understand your capacity, but maybe it's not essential to have that pre-approval in place, but understand the timeframes upon which you are able to um, enter into contracts for that finance clause, but otherwise, if you don't satisfy that easy route, take take the other um, direction and and make sure that you set the plan in place to get that pre-approval. Yeah, it's always something we we do talk to clients about to have a chat to their broker and just get an idea of how long it's going to take to um to get that approval. What's the sort of time frame on that at the moment you're seeing? It's Is it fast or under <laughs> in the current market? It all depends on the lender, yep. and even when I say that. The lender one week could be really fast, and the next week they could be they could go from three days um, from um, submitting the application to a formal approval yeah. to the next week applying for it with another customer. It could be twenty day wait. Mm. So it's really I've I've got to really do research and speak to the lenders about their timeframes before we submit applications. If you know they're actually wanting to get things moving um, faster than some might. And yeah, I mean, recently I had one application that went to one particular lender and it was approved so fast. And I'm actually in the middle of going through um, another application with that lender and it's an entirely different um, wow. circumstance. So it's, it's worth just, obviously just keeping up to date. Yeah. So if someone's working with you, if they're in the current market and they're, and they're looking for a property, just keep that touch point coming in occasionally to say, yep. how are we looking at the moment? Are we still on track for the seven days, 14 days, whatever it may be yeah. um, for finance, just to keep up to date with things. Oh, look, if you've got a contract of sale, they're pushed to the front of the queue. Mm. That's that's the good thing. Yep. Still doesn't guarantee that you, we'd be actually um, hitting their finance clause. There's so many extensions that are happening these days, and I'm mm. sure most brokers 
um, would agree with me that um, it's pretty exciting when you don't have to get an extension. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, um, yeah, it's 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 really up and down like a yo-yo. Mm. And have you seen a big change since sort of 12 months ago? I know, you know, we were pulling our hair out for on behalf of some of our buyers uh, because timeframes even just to get an approved um, assessment even after you'd entered a contract, they were blowing out to 21, 28 days for some banks just to yes. get the approval and then settlements were needing to be pushed out in some instances as well. Now that uh, we were told was because a lot of the banks use offshore facilities for a lot of their processes and given everything that's happened with COVID, a lot of systems imploded effectively. So has that changed? Are we starting to see those types of timeframes come down or are there still some banks that are really taking that long? Um, I know what you're talking about and I know uh, probably specifically some of the lenders that <laughs> you're talking you? about. Yes, I'm sure we all know names. when we're in the industry. <laughs> and yes, my understanding, although I have um, not had enough faith to go back and try it yet <laughs> with those particular lenders um, but my understanding is that they have improved their processes yes yeah. um, and yes the offshore um, issue um, has been apparent to a lot of brokers mm. um, even with those settlement mm. um, deadlines yep. but um, apparently they have a, a you know improved Fixed that up yeah. Um, yeah but not not to not to the point that they're competitive against some really good lenders that mm. have got some great processes in place. And um, there are probably one or two that can get things approved within a matter of days. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. I mean, and I think, you know, in terms of buyers, what advice do you give them? I mean, is it about shopping for the lowest mortgage rate? Is it about shopping for the fastest turnaround time? Like how do you actually position a bank or provide some certainty around what bank might best suit their needs when they come to you seeking finance? Yeah, look, I think um, I think the biggest point to make is to actually speak to a broker, yes. number one, yeah. because we do have access to um, assessment days. So every lender, so my, um, my system will actually show me at that point in time when I'm looking for a loan for my customers, um, the amount of days I should expect once I've submitted the application for that application to be picked up and assessed. Okay, yeah. Um, and so based on that, I'm able to then go back to the lender if it's, you know, a few days late mm -hmm. and say, look, when I submitted this application, you guys were at five days, we're now at six or seven, I need it escalated. And at that point you're allowed to have things escalated okay. generally with most lenders. Yeah, so you're entering into the um, transaction with the bank effectively on the basis of that information and if they've, yeah. if they've not... Um, adhered to those time frames there's there's an option to escalate and get something fast-tracked yeah. effectively yeah and I guess um, another point to make is that when I'm working with my customers I'm looking for the best possible options based on their requirements so yes. yeah and more often than not that has some something to do with a low rate mm. so if a low rate a variable offset as an example is what they're after plus they want to have it done as fast as possible mm. then it's the top three options with the lowest rate and the lowest amount of assessment days. Yeah. So that might not necessarily be the lowest rate on the market. Correct, yes. Um, but to meet all of their requirements, um, we will look at everything across the board and go, okay, well, these lenders are at three to five days um, with these rates. This rate's the lowest. Yep. You'd be waiting 20 days. If you're keen to do that, go for it. Yeah. 
Um, but otherwise, these are your top three with fast assessment time. So do you find people are shopping a little bit on the lowest interest rates or are they thinking about that overall long-term strategy when it comes to the finance? Look, everyone's different, but I guess I guess on predominantly people will go for the lowest rates and they will say that they're happy to wait <laughs> and then when it comes to the waiting time, they're not too happy yeah. about it. <laughs> Even though, yes. you know, you're putting it out there yeah. that these are the, the assessment times, I guess they just hope that it's brought forward. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it is brought forward. Mm. Yeah. Um, but more often than not, if you're wanting the really, really dirt cheap rates, it's quite often um, most people are applying with that particular lender at the time. So the queues are huge. Mm. Yeah. And that's interesting because, you know, and, and this is just speaking from experience in helping buyers. Um, obviously, when we're talking such low interest rates anyway, the minor differences that that, that banks might be offering for those rates um, compared with the opportunity cost of missing out on a property because you don't have competitive finance terms, it's just talking chalk and cheese, yeah. you know. I mean, the opportunity cost right now in Brisbane with a market that's been shifting at 2.2% per month in the housing sector, that's $22,000 per month of price movement. And if we miss out because our, our, our finance terms are less competitive compared to someone else that might be with a lender who charges slightly more in the interest rate but enables a really quick turnaround time, yeah, that's what a lot of buyers um, need to understand before they're actually entering the negotiations or, oh. or putting forward offers on properties. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, look, the mindset's different for refinance versus purchases. Of course, yes. Purchases are probably more likely to go down the route of, no, we just want the fastest approval time. We yes. know we need to get into the market at the moment. It's moving at, you know, such a dramatic pace who's the fastest lender with the best possible rate out of those lenders, whereas it's the refinancing customers who are more often than not happy to wait. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and, okay, so if we um, if they're borrowing the money and they get all that and they go on in this current market and, and they buy a property, obviously we're seeing prices move pretty quick. What about the valuation side of it? Are you seeing valuations not come in or how do they prepare for that? What can they do? Can they challenge them or I mean what can people do in a current market to to help on that side of it um look I haven't I have seen in the past valuations come back um short of where they need to be but I'm not seeing it so much at the moment and mm. I know that see initially when we started um seeing this huge increase in property prices um there was the worry that they would come in lower especially the desktops the automatic yeah. bounce that we get yeah um, because it's based on data that mm -hmm. isn't up to date with where, where we're at. Correct. Um, but to be honest, any any of the valuations that are in mortgage insurance territory, they need to be full vows anyway. Yeah. Um, so if we're sending someone out who's on the ground and understands what's going on, they're more likely to actually value it where the current market value is. Mm, yeah. Where it's those it's those it's actually the eighty percent um, desktop vows. Um, mm. There were more of a risk of coming back lower, but to be honest, I haven't really seen too much of it. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe CoreLogic or you know they've caught up with what's happening, mm. and they're producing valuations that are at contract of sale price. Um, but on your point about what they can do, because it does occasionally happen, and really what happens is if they've applied with a particular lender, and let's just say it came back twenty grand under contract of sale price. So they're 
they've got a few options. They can either go and renegotiate the contract of sale. Which if they've got very a finance clause, happens. correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they can come up with a difference. Yep. Or by putting they in can cash risk equity. losing the property because we would then need to go and um, apply with another lender yep. and do another valuation with that lender to see whether their valuation came back at contract of sale. Mm. But then that would be a matter of going through the whole process again and Good you're time. working with like a 14-day finance clause Yes, um, as a standard example. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, fortunately it's not happening to – I haven't seen it happen for months yeah. at all with any of my customers. Mm. And one thing I will say, um, because obviously we are in the industry, so we probably um, see sometimes when this does happen, um, it's always good for buyers to provide their supporting sales evidence um, to the the broker or the valuer um, so that they can understand the, the properties that might have sold but not yet settled in a location because... Um, when a market's shifting so rapidly, if you feel that you have extended to secure it because of the competition, it's always good to provide that supporting evidence and even asking the sales agent to um, help the valuer understand how many offers were received on the property, where those other offers were, all of that can help to support evaluation as well in a fast moving market. Because I do know that um, it's a conversation we often have with buyers, you know, when there's in some instances, 20, 30 offers. There was yeah. 30 offers on a property that we looked at um, two weeks ago. When there's 30 buyers putting forward an offer, there's always those couple of buyers that are stretching at the top end and something that we're starting to see. And in fact, a sales agent recently just um, alerted us to this fact. There are some buyers now that are putting forward offers that are extended well above market value knowing that the valuation won't come in and relying on the fact that they'll have that opportunity to renegotiate at that time, which is an extremely high risk mm -hmm. strategy. Mm -hmm. But we're starting to hear that that has been happening in the market. Um, agents obviously would not like that. And that's not a strategy that we would ever recommend someone does. Um, but it's something to be aware of because it does, you know, it, and it doesn't guarantee that a seller will actually be happy to renegotiate with you so that is a high risk strategy yeah, we've to take. Had, and i think agents are well aware of it as well i mean we had i think that was that might have been been that particular one where the agent said there's an offer that it's considerably higher but they didn't want to accept it because they were worried about that valuation side mm, of it right. um, wow. so it's good to know where other buyers are sitting and if you're sitting around that yeah you might be stretched a little bit but if you know if there's 20 30 people putting an offer on a property and you're sitting amongst or, or just or just slightly above them, not way above them. Um, that's to me. I always say that's great news because there's 20, 30 people that want to buy the property. It's a sought after property. It's desirable people want to buy it, um, and you've got it just slightly above them, not way above them. Obviously, the risk yeah. isn't multiple offer that there's someone that's stretched fifty or one hundred thousand dollars above all other buyers, and that's where there's obviously valuation risk. But when there's multiple buyers all at the yeah. same level, then I assume the valuation risk is. Uh, much lower. So it's good to do your homework, that's for sure. Correct, so, yes. So so what about the demand in finance? Uh, Michelle, what are you seeing at the moment? Has, has it spiked? Is it, oh, is yeah. it still like, happening? Like you are in the, um, you know, real, on the ground in the real estate market where the ones that are looking after all the people that are looking at the houses and, and wanting to buy them. So yeah. oh, it's absolutely increased. Um, it, it's interesting because COVID hit and it was almost like, just this boom started yes mm. um which was strange i guess but if if we sort of look back on 
on what's happened and what states um, you know are struggling and doing well. I mean, I can't talk so much for Sydney and, and Melbourne, but I know that we're having such an influx of um, investors coming from down south mm, yeah. um, and and they're, they're wanting brokers that are here in Brisbane. Yeah. So um, I'm certainly working with a lot of um, customers that are in that in that area of, of finance. Um, and I, I know I joke about the weather all the time, but why wouldn't they want to finance and, and move up to sunny <laughs> Queensland? But Or at least have an asset that they own up here. Perhaps they could move into at one time in the future. So <laughs> Yeah, well, I've definitely got customers that have done that. They've yes. bought their investment yeah. properties on the Sunshine Coast. And yes. That's the plan. That's a long-term is to plan move, is to move up there from clever strategy. down south where it's a bit colder and yeah. keep their joints nice and warm up here later on. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's a little bit of, as you say, an increase from the COVID side of it. Did you see anything? I know it's a long, long way away, but any any sort of change when the Olympics were announced? Um, Didn't have an impact oh, look, straight I away? I guess as a broker, um, I mean, I'm in a networking group and it's certainly something that I try to plug that, with the you know increase in infrastructure and yeah. um, you know the, the amazing uh, facilities that we're going to now get in Brisbane, even though we're already pretty good, mm. it's only going to be on the increase. Mm. So why wouldn't Brisbane be an even better place um, to buy? Um, I guess because investment lending's been so good all the way up to this point anyway, I haven't seen anything dramatically change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but maybe ask me that in six months' time and I might be able to give you some better stats on that. Yeah. And we might see an even bigger increase in investment lending, up, particularly up here in Brisbane, mm. um, because it's, it's, it's a positive. Yeah. And look, I think we asked that question because it was right to the day for us and, you know, the inquiry just switched straight to, we want to buy in Brisbane because yeah. the Olympic Games are coming and that's great for Brisbane. Yeah. And, you know, it, we were already considering Brisbane, but this has been the the trigger that has made us act. So it's yeah. really interesting. And potentially, you know, we're having those conversations with people before they're finance ready. So maybe that will come through in your future inquiry because yeah. it's certainly something that we've noticed through our own inquiry. Cool. So, um, look, I think we've covered a fair bit here today. Um, how, look, Michelle, how do people get in touch with you? Um, your uh, business, Bespoke Money, how do they get in touch and um, talk money? Yeah, um, bespokemoney.com.au. Uh, you can jump on my website. Otherwise, um, well, my phone number and email is all on there. So, yeah, get in touch with me and I would love to assist anyone. Yeah, we'll put those details in the show notes today as well. So if you're needing finance here in Brisbane for a home, an investment property, perhaps a renovation, uh, even a refinance, get in touch with Michelle. She'll be able to provide Lots of options for you. Remember, when you go straight to the bank, you'll get their options only. When you go to a broker, you'll get um, options that cover the full, you know, suite of what's available out there in the market. So um, Michelle's helped many of our clients um, already and uh, obviously she does look after them, which is why she's been invited here on our podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, not only taking care of our clients, but having a chat today. Um, we'll plan on that six-month update, in, if you like, um, just to see what does happen. It'll be interesting to see the change from that, as you say, that 100% increase in lending for investors, just to see what happens in the next six months as well. So we'll get Michelle on again for another chat in the future. Um, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been great to chat. I will let Melinda pass over and um, close things off like she normally does, um, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Thanks very much for listening, and bye for now. Yeah, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I listen to your podcast all the time and it's amazing to be a part of this one. And you like the weather. 
And I love the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that you'll listen to your own episode, you'll probably pick apart your own voice like we do every time we hear ours. But look, that's just all a part of podcasting, isn't it? But look, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us once again today. As always, if you do enjoy what you hear and what any information that we share with you please don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you do tune in and tell your friends and family about our podcast it is the way we can share more information with property buyers to help them avoid making mistakes and um, get into the right property that matches their strategy and their needs as always enjoy the rest of your week and we will be in touch again next week bye for now Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.